by fans and players of Saga, the skirmish miniatures game from Studio Tomahawk. For our ninth episode of Saga Ohio, I am joined by my longtime friend and fellow Ancients enthusiast, Mike Stelzer. Mike and I are part of a regular Sunday evening gaming group that has met, pre-COVID, pretty much every week for decades. Mike, welcome, and thanks for agreeing to join the broadcast. Thanks for inviting me, Mike. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, maybe tell us a little about what kind of gaming you've been able to do during COVID? Well, most of it's been, uh, for a long time when COVID first started, it was nothing until we figured out there was a uh, uh, board game arena online where we could get together and at least do board games. And we've been playing that regularly Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, I know you make it when you can, which is great. Uh, other than that, a couple times with my... Uh, son and my nephews they've come over and we've played some stuff uh like we played one night and we don't do it very often uh we played um fallout wasteland warfare um with between the four of us and that was interesting and fun uh but still it's nothing like what we were doing before where it was every sunday night we had miniatures on the table and we were having fun um beyond that i just found out about when copies miniatures somewhat on steam which i know you're not on mike mm. um field, yeah fields of glory it's um basically could be ancients or medieval and it has the feel of uh, the old dba online sort of like uh it's except it's major battles instead of small ones and uh it at least gets me move gives me the feel of moving miniatures around a board on a tabletop yeah, I think you were telling me that that's um, the, the computer's doing it. It's not the kind of 3D tabletop simulator where you're, you have to reach in there and move the little pieces around yourself, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. it's more of a computer computer version of the game, right? Right. It's um, I mean, uh, for those who are listening who have never played DBA online or never played DBA, the system had the rules set up so you couldn't break them. And... Um, it allowed stuff that we couldn't allow on tabletop, uh, like moving your piece back where it had started exactly, instead of shifting it around and making sure the next time you tried it, you made it. Yeah, we don't know anybody who used to do that. They'd say they'd measure, oh, I'm out of range, and they'd move it a couple of times, and they'd move it back. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Then they'd turn around, oh, look, I'm in range of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were a few of those. Yeah, we won't we won't name any names about people we caught doing that kind of thing. So <sighs> now I never played Fields of Glory. Um, had you played it much on the tabletop before, or are you just all learning it straight from the computer game? Uh, I had the book. The original, uh, well, it's one of the couple hundred rule books I got laying around here still, uh, but I never played it. And um, that's part of that was because we just burned ourselves out so bad on ancients there yeah. for a while. Right. I mean, the, it, it came out after, you know, it came out to be kind of one of the re- replacement ones for DBA slash DBM. So. Yeah, I know Andy, who plays Saga in our group, has played it. You know, played it for a little while. So, um, yeah. So, about how many games of that have you got in? <laughs> Since I found out about it, was it three weeks ago? I think the computer just said I finished my hundred and tenth. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> now wait a minute. I'm gonna tell the. I'm gonna tell the. Um, tell the listeners a story about Mike Stelzer, just to maybe illustrate that 110 there. Uh, the first time he came up to one of our DBA tournaments, he was he was a new player. He really hadn't had a chance to play it. And I think, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you went 0-4 in your first tournament. And then he went back, and he'd found out about DBA online. He played the heck out of it, and then came back and won the next tournament. You know, he'd, his, you know, he'd use that basically to advance his skill level so much that uh, you know, he was one of the veteran players after that. Is that is, am I remembering that correctly? Oh, you're, yeah, you're remembering correctly, and I put in almost, uh, in, uh, DBA Online was a play-by-email system, so you exchanged turns, 
And uh, I think in the first year I had over 500 games, and by the end of the year playing DBA online. Wow, I mean that's that's averaging almost two per per day, you know, one and a half per day or so. So, but so in three weeks you've got 110 games in, so that's like five a day. How are you getting that? How are you? How With the smaller, it? I've been playing a lot of the smaller size games. Okay. Um, you know what we would call the. I mean, almost DBA size games. Okay. And I can finish one of those in 15, 20 minutes against the computer. So. Oh, so it does have a setting to play the computer. Okay. Yes, it does have an AI, and uh, I, you know, play by turns, which is play by email or however you want to call it, um, is fun and is great. Like when Andy and I played, um, where <laughs> you'll appreciate this, where my dice even rolling through a computer. We're miserable. <laughs> yes, um, uh, it, maybe it has something to do with the name Mike because we all know how <laughs> bad my dice are too. <laughs> but uh, it's you know it's fun, but it's you know to me it takes um, a while, and sometimes I lose the whole idea of what my strategy was or what I had to do to for the next turn. Oh, because well, the, the lag in the in the turns then before somebody got a chance to respond then. Right. Yeah. Um, I would find that occasionally in DBA, but you were talking about so many fewer units than you are with something that, um, like, uh, Fields of Glory, because in Fields of Glory, you're talking um, DBM size armies. Okay. All right. So that many elements or units on the tabletop as opposed <laughs> to the, the 12 from DBA. So, right. Well, that's cool. That's, that's good. You got a chance to get some uh, commanding troops. And now, of course, when you go back to playing Saga, you'll have have all the rules mixed up and uh, i'll have to correct you <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah so uh for those who don't know uh he, mike mentioned it earlier uh his son jason has been gaming with us on and off through the years uh along with his two cousins uh thomas and daniel and i nicknamed them the next generation uh so what kind of games have you guys been doing uh with uh with Thomas and Daniel and Jason. Uh, you said the one Fallout game. I assume that's a miniatures game, then. Yeah, it's a tabletop miniatures uh, through Modifus, and um, we've been playing it a little bit. Uh, most of what we play is uh, board games with them. Like, uh, Jason's got Dead of Winter, the zombie game. He really likes that because, mm -hmm. uh, unlike you, he really likes the ones where there can be. Uh, traitor in the midst of all the yes, players. Yes, the Betrayal on the House on the Hill style game. So, yeah, I, I remember when I had a board game club at the middle school, there was kids who played Dead of Winter. So, so you've been doing that. Uh, what other what other board games? You guys been playing Scythe much? I know that they had that game. No, uh, they've got it. Um, we haven't played it. Um, and we um, really, we played Fallout Shelter a couple of games of it, but I mean, we're still only talking getting together maybe once every six weeks to play anything. Okay, all right. So, do you ever get a chance to play Saga with them? Not uh, so far. I mean, one of the things we found out back in the DBA days, because all three of them started playing by the time they were ten, um, is that setting it all up here at the house and playing just wasn't like doing it, in a, you know, at a convention. You know, the excitement wasn't there. You know, we spent as much time BSing and talking as we did playing. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll probably, once we get back into playing all the time on weekends, we may get together and play some then just to practice. Okay. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, Jason brought up the one thing about Saga that's kind of, I found kind of interesting because Saga, unlike DBA, where once you learned a unit's abilities, they were there. I mean, that's doesn't matter which side of the table they were coming from. If they were knights, they had this set of abilities. It was the makeup of your army and how you used it to make this. Now, it's your what your army is and how you use the board. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And not, and not the units that make the difference. Right, I agree because uh, I have always said that warrior bows are are useless. That I, I would never. Why would you take a point of warrior bow, which shoot, which generate four shooting dice, versus a point of levy bow, which generates six? 
but you throw them into the Carolingian board and suddenly you know, it's a whole different thing. Or like uh, your last Romans, uh, you've played those a number of times. Don't they have that, that volley fire they shoot over the top of a hill or whatever? Or shoot over the top of a, they don't need line of sight to shoot? They've got the ability to shoot multiple, ti- or multiple times. Yeah. Um, and uh, the one with the uh, able to clear line of sight are the Normans with their one ability. Oh yeah, that two two foot shot that the Normans yes. have that that and that once again changes the paradigm. Jason's absolutely right. That changes the paradigm of the troop type. Uh, but you're right in DBA. Once you knew what a knight did, you knew what a knight did. Uh, it was just a matter of how do you you know general those assembled components here. Everything changes. All bets are off. Uh, you know, depending on the on the list, which you know I actually like about it. Um, I have to admit that when I first started learning Saga, I was like, why don't they have a lighter version of Saga with fewer abilities? Uh, but now that I've, you know, been in, and now that I'm into it a lot more, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is kind of the fun. This is kind of the fun is, is taking an army that, uh, other people have said, eh, they're not so tough and figuring out how to win with them, figuring out their strengths and weaknesses are. And, and then how that, that interplays with the, who your opponent is, because, your main strategy just may not work against a certain opponent. You know, you play the pagan roost and they shut down all bow fire over six inches. And that changes <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah. So well, I played my last Romans against the Rus and I mean, everything I could do was totally stop Dennis. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's, that's just a devastating army. I, it's, it's so under, I think underappreciated because honestly, before, I think before I played them that one time, just as a change of pace, I didn't remember anybody ever playing them. And then, uh, then I saw Andy play them. I saw Adrian play them, you know, and stuff like that. And, and having played them again, you know, with Adrian controlling them, I'm like, wow, that's uh, there's a lot they can do. Uh, a lot of things they can do to lock down your army and keep them from doing what it's supposed to do. So yeah, I would put them in the. Yeah, I'd put them in the top of the Age of Vikings armies. Definitely one of the tougher ones. Well, it's um, and that's the thing. It's the board and your opponent. I, and it's the one thing with Saga that bothers me sometimes is that the balance doesn't really seem to be there sometimes when you're playing across the whole game spectrum. Uh, it's like I don't see the armies from Age of a Handful doing well or being able to go up against the Viking Age or any of the others because just because of the way the rules are written right um, with the ruses you don't have the ruses they're going to lose some of their abilities that way right well i still think that um i know that some people are saying they believe that the age of hannibal armies are a little more powerful more more potent than maybe the age of vikings ones and, and i would agree that you know they appear like they've got some really killer abilities but we i mean we kind of had what one army in all of our meetings actually get to play on the board and that was a knockdown drag him out against the you know between the gauls and the crusaders and with like five figures left on the board so you know then those are those are two of the more potent armies so it's not like we've really gotten a chance to play test that have we i mean yeah, that's true too i'm just going by what i'm reading through and what i'm seeing i'm not, I'm not saying the handle armies are any weaker or anything it's just the way they're supposed to be used right yeah they are it, so different and that's a, we we were talking about ruses before uh, you know before we started recording and and uh, I've yet to see somebody use the ruses on any of the YouTube gameplays that I've seen yet. Um, so it'll be an interesting thing to see when people say, okay, now we're going to start using ruses because it almost seems like it's going to be the first thing that gets booted from any tournament style, you know day where people say okay you can't bring legendary leaders and there'll be no ruses or whatever and i can see ruses being a frequent victim of uh tournament rules well i look for um maybe this start doing the same thing that uh they did with dba there towards the end where you split it into periods mm-hmm. and you'll have yeah. tournaments based around you know one of the the rule books right yeah. and that's what i want to do too i for for the atc tournament i want to I mean, assuming that we can get a full 16 people to this tournament, uh, you know, then I would want to like have a, 
you know, if there were six Crusades armies, I'd want them to be in a bracket, and then the Vikings would be in a bracket. Vikings, and then if we got enough to split Vikings and Crusades, you know, have them be in separate ones. And yeah, I mean, you know, so what that you don't have an overall, you know, uh, everybody playing everybody thing. You're still not going to be able to play all the opponents in your own bracket unless it's a four-player bracket. Yeah, and um, I think I'm not sure if Tomahawk did it or if I'm just seeing or seeing smoke that's not there um and that is the when they eat wrote each of the books they balanced the armies more to fight against the ones in that book than they did to have something that was an overall rule set that covered um everybody because it seems like the crusader armies are tougher than the uh, viking age ones and the viking age seems slightly uh I don't want to say stronger or better than like the Romano Brits in that group. Yeah, it's almost like as they're evolving, they're getting a little more potent and powerful. That Age of Invasions would be, you know, the early ones, and they're the weaker ones, and Age of Vikings, and and you know, I I could see that. And I the the only thing is, is we haven't had hardly by play the Age of Invasions or the Crusades armies either. I mean, what? For Crusades, we got My Moors. Uh, we've had a couple of people play Saracens, and they, of course, immediately, as soon as they put them on the table, they put that disclaimer out right there. Oh, this is a crappy army, and I'm going to lose. <laughs> 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 and uh, but I mean, we've had, and I'll tell you what, though, the Crusader army, like Thomas's Crusaders, and a couple other people played them. That is a killer army, in my opinion. That's a tough army. Oh, they're very tough. They're uh, take, they're the Normans on steroids. Yeah, some respects. Yeah. That would that would be a good way to put it. I, I would I would agree. I mean, just they have so many potent abilities. I think on that battle board. So yeah, even I, Thomas I, talked. He's got a Crusader army. He talked about it. He said, you know, the one army he or one way he wouldn't feel the army was all fanatics. Yeah, I I I think the Peter the Hermit army is broken, and hopefully in the next FAQ they will address the Peter the Hermit army. That uh, it's just too powerful. I mean, you could the game's going to be over on turn two after they've you know the steamrollers of the fanatic pilgrims have battered themselves into all of your troops and killed them all. So yeah, so uh, but yeah, and, and to their credit, Studio Tomahawk does put that little disclaimer in each book saying these armies are balanced against each other. So you are you are seeing that. It is correct. They do say that, and every every book says that. Um, that said, it, you know, you can still play the game if you want. It's not like it's you have no chance of winning. Um, so, but I, but no. I agree that they they do seem to be more balanced to go against each other than cross time periods. Yeah, which is always something. That, you know, let's face it, drew us to DBA from the standpoint that you could play ancient Egyptians against Crusaders and still stand a fairly decent chance of winning. Right. Yeah. Um, so. So speaking of all these different armies, what do you are what do you come up, plan on bringing to, uh, to on the 18th to the Dragons Guild Hall? Well, it's according to what I get done painting here in the next couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> uh, well, I'll definitely have my Vikings and uh, some of those, but I may have uh, Italia Greeks finished up by then. Nice. Um, and uh, the uh, for Hannibal for the have Hannibal's army for the uh, Carthaginian dragon. So uh, I guess this now's the time to talk about these projects. So how many are you juggling right now? Is it just the Greeks and the Carthos? Is there something else you're painting too? Oh, I've got at least three other projects going on at the same time. Okay, but what about Saga armies? Just let's let's narrow it down just, to Saga. <laughs> just Saga. I've got the Greeks and the uh, Carthaginians are just about done. I think I've got less than twelve figures in both of them to get done. Oh, and wow. the Carthaginians will probably be done first. The uh, I've got for the Yom's Vikings. I've got four more figures. I want to get painted up for them. I've got a mm -hmm. shield maiden uh, group of warriors. I want to get painted. Mm -hmm. They're all sitting there, primered and sitting on the sideline. But uh, after playing Wasteland Warfare a couple of weeks ago, I got back into my post-apocalyptic stuff. So that's <laughs> ever the danger of all the different games and periods that we play. Yes, that'll keep you keep you off uh, off task on that. 
So I'll, I, I really look forward to seeing those Carthos. I hope that they make it in time. What uh, What's the unit that's left? You said about 12 figures. What all you got left? To do? I got uh, four hearth guard mounted and the citizen um, warriors. Ah, uh, the citizen spear or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Well, I hope that they're done. I, I was hoping that we could get a chance to, to see some of the Age of Hannibal armies show up after our long dormancy during COVID and everything. Yeah. Well, so, I got an elephant to go with them already, so we're ahead on that one. That's good. It's always good. Got an elephant ready to go. Got uh, so the Italian Italian Greeks. That's that's interesting. I think you're the first person I've heard that's that's doing. I know that a lot of people are doing the Greek Cooley, but you know they're either doing the Epirus one or the Syracusan one. So what drew you to that one? Why why the uh, why the Italian Greeks? I already had a bunch of Greeks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, it started out, I was just going to tear apart my old uh, DBA 25 millimeter Greek army and just use them. And then I started comparing them to what I was going to combine them with for the other units, like the mounted. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I don't think so. So I started painting Greeks. Okay. Uh, uh, also have, I mean, this is a cobbled together one. I mean, some people... We both know people that would complain for me doing this, but it's not a big deal in my book or yours. I've got a bunch of uh, the um, Greeks that came out from Foundry for the uh, mythological period, but they're dressed like the late Greek period. Yeah. For like yeah. the Argonauts. Right. And uh, I can I can field two units uh, or two warrior groups or two hearth guard, or eight man hearth guard units of them, which isn't part of the rules, but. Uh, and then I, all I had to do is up with some more uh, spear for the rest of the Italians. And then I had Terran, I painted up Tarantine Horse, and I've got Greek mm-hmm. or Cretan arth, archers, whichever one I run them as. Right, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think there'll be a lot of cross-play in these, uh, in these armies in Age of Hannibal's, you know, troops that you can use as either, especially with all those mercenaries like the Cretans. I mean, a lot of people did use the Cretans. They hired themselves out as mercenaries all the time, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, it'll be cool. It'll definitely be worse. And I don't, I like you, I don't have a problem with using semi mythological figures. Um, I saw somebody on uh, Facebook who had painted up the, um, the 300 style Spartans, you know, the ones from the, <laughs> from the graphic novel. And yeah. I'm sorry, those figures look fantastic. You know, yes, I know that they didn't walk around with bare chests, you know, um, but you know, it's something dramatic about the bronze armor and the big, huge red cloak and, you know, that uh, Corinthian helmet where you can just see the slits of the eyes. You know, it's, that's some cool-looking stuff. So I don't think anybody would complain about that, you know, especially when you consider how many shield maiden units there are out there in our Viking armies. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'm glad they at least have the Speedos on. For the... <laughs> the Speedos, yeah. Yeah, that is, that's something I tell my kids every year when I show them little clips from uh, 300 in there. I'm like, by the way... The Spartans did not wear speedos, in case you're curious about that. You know, so, uh, and then of course they do see the real thing when they learn about, you know, the Pelop- or they learn about the Greek-Persian wars. They see the advantage being the Greek heavier armor and everything, and and that those speedo dudes weren't quite the same. No. But, uh, I, I mean, I still like the movie because it does replicate the the phalanx shield wall. You know, as them sitting there locking their shields and, you know holding against that charge and yeah i just think it, it does some does some interesting things in there you know obviously the rhinoceros is a little out though you know a little over the top uh, and the york uh, <laughs> yes the giant uh whatever the he was yeah and the immortals is these these zombie guys with claws yeah <laughs> yeah that so it was bad but that was the one scene i don't really i loved and i used to love the original 300 spartans which was um basically a b movie yeah and but the one thing they didn't do in it they did in 300 is that whole shield wall thing where they stopped it mm-hmm. then you heard them take a uh, order shouted they take a breath and all of a sudden they shove the whole front line of the enemy back so they got room to use their spears again right yeah i mean this is this is you know how they fought you know they fought in that push that you know, you're a big giant shoving match almost, It's you know, it is to a degree. So, yep. so yeah, there's definitely, and so if you're using figures from that, uh, you're not, you're never going to hear me complain about it. So, yeah. 
history lesson on that one. I don't know if you teach your kids this one, but one of the things the kids were taught at Spartan Military School was uh, they were lined up in a line, basically back, you know, up against the oak tree, and then their job that day was to try and push over the oak tree. Yeah. So. To, to build the muscles to push. Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely uh it's definitely we they, the kids love learning about ancient Sparta. It's that warrior society. And I always like tell them, you know what, guys, you probably wouldn't actually enjoy this. You think it sounds really cool, but getting the snot beat out of you by the older boys your entire life until you become a man, it was probably not the way you want to grow up. <laughs> Conversely, no. girls, you would want to live there because you know that's where you're free. But uh, yeah, so interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of like you. I, I've you know I ha- occasionally will mix in the little batches like you're you're doing your shield maidens, but I think I just finished off all those things I have to do. Although I just had a great idea for. Um, do you watch The Last Kingdom? I think it's on Netflix. The uh, one from the Bernard Cornwell novel. Yeah, I've, actually I've watched the first two seasons. I haven't finished it because I sort of like the books. I got a little tired. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, the uh, I, I like him, and, and as as it goes on, uh, Ethelfled becomes a pretty major character, you know, Alfred's daughter. And uh, I bought over at Dragon's Guildhall this this uh, female uh, mounted figure holding these two swords up, just because what the heck, I was going to buy it. Um, and <laughs> I was thinking, you know, she could be Ethelfled, and in the uh, the Saxon uh, Gripping Beast box, it has. These four figures are intended to be like a mini shield wall, two guys kneeling, then two guys above them holding their shields up. And so I thought about putting these two guys that are holding their shields up in front of her horse and like arrows sticking out of the shields like they're protecting Ethelfled. I thought that'd be kind of a cool little, uh, you know, war, or, uh, warlord stand to make for you know, the Anglo-Saxons that I'll probably cool. never paint up anytime soon. But nevertheless, you know, mixing in things like that, I think are... Fun well, to do. check um, Bad Squiddo Miniatures. Mm-hmm. They've got a um, a bunch of female um, warriors and leaders from uh, the Dark and Middle Ages. Do they all, are they the one ones? Them. Are they also the ones who did the? Um, um, gosh, I can't believe I can't remember her name. Ragnar's wife. Uh, yeah, Lagatha. Um, Lagatha. Are they the one who do the Lagatha figure too? Or no? Yeah, they've got one of them. Um, there's actually a couple of companies with figures of her out there. Uh, she's uh, both mounted, and I think it's Bad Squid is the one that's got both her mounted and on foot. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have to get together and compare some notes and get get the group to order some stuff. You know, you know, use the uh, use the fact that we're getting together again. We can you know compare <laughs> notes and save on the postage and everything from. From overseas. Yeah, because postage from Europe has gotten ridiculous. That's that's what I hear. It's been a while. I haven't ordered anything from Europe, you know, post COVID, but uh, I did I did before and it wasn't bad, but I hear it's getting a lot worse. Oh, I just was looking at uh, for a fallout a quarter system to use as vaults, mm-hmm. which um, you know I don't. I mean, I may I could use, but you know, it's one of those things talk yourself into. <laughs> and I was getting ready to order it off Estee because they have a really nice set of uh, MDF quarters from one guy on there. And I had almost $380 worth of quarters I was going to buy. And then they tacked on the uh, uh, shipping. It was going to be on, with tax just over $500. Oh, my gosh. That's that's definitely beyond my range. It's The day that I spend $500 on hobby stuff is the day that I, you know, say... I sit around in the circle and say, you know, hi, my name is Mike. I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of us have got that anyway. Right. But I don't, I, I can't, you know, it'd be interesting to go back and see what my greatest purchase was. I know that I used to, when we used to go to Cold Wars, uh, I would always uh, tabulate who won the shopping at Cold Wars. Oh. And invariably, if Keith was there, Keith would win, you know, but. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Keith, I've, what I've tried to do, because I noticed what I was doing before when we were going to all the cons, you know, I'd go to a con and I'd start building a system or doing something. I'd buy a bit here, a bit there. And I started looking at some of my stuff, like my post-apocalyptic uh, town stuff. And I've got easily that much money tied up in those. It's just I only spent it in 30 here, 40 there. 
right. instead of one you know outlay and yeah with COVID. well I, I like doing it that way better too because that way you also have kind of an insurance plan that if you never end up getting around to playing this then you haven't spent that five hundred dollars and instead you've only spent a hundred dollars on it so yeah oh. so yeah. um so so let's see you got the Italiote greeks uh going you got the carthos going uh what what other armies do you have that are done i'm, I'm trying to remember uh I know you the Roman, that. the last Romans, uh, mm-hmm. which is basically early Byzantine. Um, I've got my um, uh, Vikings, and actually, I, those are the only two. I just have played every variation you could of the Vikings. Right, right. So, so basically, it's like, so yeah. So you're actually really once you get those two armies done, I, I think we're only one army off. I mean, because I think I have five right now that are finished and i'm only on i'm painting my third point of uh carolingian so i'm it, you'll be you'll be way done with both those armies before i get uh i get done with the carolingian so yeah that's that's good um, well, i got sidetracked i got a or eight points for the romano brit lane right here i haven't even got primed yet so yeah i was just reading a thread on um i got back into reading lead adventure forum which is just an awesome awesome uh website and there's a guy named uh, who his screen name on there is Coyote, I think, and he did this amazing thread on Romano Brits where his army was going to be Mordred, that Arthur's going across the Gaul to, to besiege Lancelot and his castle, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful thread that uh, would be very inspiring to 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 look over before painting a uh, painting up Romano Brits. But yeah, I that's one of my favorite periods of history too is that whole. Saxons are coming in and slowly pushing the Britons back thing. So. Well, I just, it's, uh, well, I always like the Arthur stories. So mm-hmm. to me, it sort of just went hand in hand with, you know, playing a game with small number of troops on the board. Right. Which is somewhat historically accurate for the dark ages too. Um, so have you read, uh, my favorite Arthurian novel, Fire Lord by Park Godwin? Um, no, I don't think I have. You should read um, that. That is that to me. That is in still. I've read it like twenty years ago, probably. It's like in my top three of historical fiction novels, and it's just, uh, it's incredible, and it's exactly how I picture King Arthur as he is as a Romano-Brit war leader, basically. Um, oh, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, so. But yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what, when I painted my Welsh up, they were, that's who they were. They were, you know, a couple hundred years later after Arthur or whatever, but still one of those kingdoms trying to hold on to the island and slowly getting pushed back by the Saxons and the Angles and everybody. Yeah, it's, um, I can't think of the name of the book. Um, when you said Fire Lord, I thought you were talking about the David Drake one, um, yeah. which I don't know if you've ever read any David Drake stuff. Uh, he did a Hammer Slammers. He's more known for his science fiction. Hmm. I don't he think did, I have. Um, he did uh, one on uh, Arthur, and you don't really, in some ways, know realize it's supposed to be historical Arthur until you get toward the end of the book. It's more like just that whole period of history tied together. And it was actually a very good book of it. And a lot easier to read than Mort, the Mort de Arthur. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole other that's a whole other world. Um, so us having the uh, the luxury of of Google, it says the Dragon Lord. Is that what? It's yeah, called? that's it. Okay, huh? We'll have to look for that then. First published in 1979 and revised in '82. Yeah, I'll check it out because I I love that that time period. So it'll be fun to read. That was actually my last game of Saga too. Is when I tested out the. Roman, a four-point Romano-British army against uh, Joe from uh, uh, Northern Tempest uh, Saga podcast, uh, his skirmish or his, his solo game, and boy did I get my my head handed to me by the Saxons. They just walloped me. Oh, <laughs> it, was it happens. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that that's not a trend for uh, that. It didn't. That wasn't the the turning point that 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 you know pr- saga prior to that game was was my uh high watermark and from this point on i'm going to start losing all my games 
<laughs> you sort of like you did there for a while with DBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had, that was... one, you had that one slump there for a while. Yeah, and we were always trying new armies, too. I mean, that's that was kind of the thing. Um, so... Which, uh, which I think I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about was was um, all our years and years of playing 15 Mirror Ancients with DBA and a little bit with DBM, although we mainly stuck with DBA. Um, what do you think the similarities are and differences are between DBA and Saga? What, what do you see as, as similar? It doesn't necessarily have to be game mechanics, just, you know, no. the game itself. The game mechanics are almost so dissimilar you can't even compare them, but... On the other hand, between DBA, one of the nice, really the great thing was the 12 unit armies where you had a set number of units to paint up. And so you could field about any army you wanted or as many as you wanted. Uh, with my fig, the amount of figures I had in DBA and being able to do variations of, you know, different armies, I think you know, at one point, I, you know, I probably still have them downstairs, about 258 armies I could field. Yeah, that's just And in DBA. And same thing in Saga is, um, is you got a set number of figures for like a six-point army that you need to paint up, and it can be as many or as few as you want. I mean, if you don't want to do levies, you just do a lot of warriors or a lot of hearse guard. And uh, my first, last uh, Roman one was four hearse guard units. That's only uh, sixteen figures right there. And that was four point, or that was uh, out of my six. That was. I think it was no. like five, because didn't you have a legendary unit in there too? No, I somehow it came out. No, it was three uh, Hearth Guard, but I paid five points for those, and then I had a unit of warriors. Right. Which yeah. was then always had only had four Saga dice or five Saga dice with my um, commander. Which, right. So you're, that, that is a good connection. I mean, because it's like a minimum of six times four, 24 plus a warlord, 25 figures, all the way up to 71 if you're doing the six six levy. So yeah, that's a similarity. Definitely, I agree. You've got a finite number, and it's not that hard to get that those, those figures painted up and fielded and move on to the next army. So what else? What else do you see? Similarities and differences? Um, just the range of... Uh armies are starting to be fielded and what they're talking about. I mean, if they're talking about Age of Hannibal being the first of three books uh, for what is the um, classical period, uh, which is ancient Greeks through the fall of the Roman Empire. And, yeah, that's with that, the Crusade book, um, the Wolves and the Age of Invasions, you get those three books, and then they're talking about an Eastern book where you get to, you know, into China and Japan. It means at some point we're going to be able to field about any army history ever gave. Right. So you, yeah. You, and that's one of the things I enjoy is you know you can follow your um, love or your likes. Mm-hmm. You know, because not everybody's like you and I, and you know, read just about everything they can get their hands on in history. Right. Um, some people are very centered. I mean. There were a couple guys in DBA, and they'll probably do the same thing as Saga when they start playing. They'll just have the one army because that's the only army they like. Right. Or they just they, they dabble, and they, they're going to paint up one army for it, and that's the army they're going to play. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I think right now, not counting those old friends, new enemies, or whatever, there's like 36 armies, you know, arm, you know boards for them out. And I hear, you know, from... From rumors that the when Age of Invasions is reissued, that they're they're adding in two new armies. Um, so that'd be um, nice. That, yeah, that'll that'll be good. Like the, the current favorite on the wish list thing is Sassanid Persians, but you know we'll see. You know we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, look, I mean, um, yeah, Sassanids for the Age of Invasions would be good. I'd like love to see the Sassanids. That's one of my favorite armies. Duh. Not only you know read about and that period the assassins by themselves they fought so many different groups of people mm-hmm. and so many varied groups of people it was like you know they're worse than the Romans <laughs> right 
and it kind of links up their more eastern type armies too and give it gives you more range of uh historical opponents for even for campaigns or something like that so i think it would i think it would be a great one i think that would be a, a very solid uh contribution to the, the the range of armies that are out there uh, I, I would agree i mean nothing else because i like them um but the uh and i'm looking forward to see what they do with the eastern because it you know according to how they do it it's either going to be really good or it's going to be um you know, sort of in my book commercial because they try to add like uh, later samurai armies in with Han Chinese, then that just doesn't work. Right, right. So I, it's interesting, and I think that's. I don't know how far back that is on their list of uh, priorities, um, what to do, but um, it would be interesting. I mean, actually, the one I would like to see before that uh, would be to go early and do the Bronze Age armies with the Assyrians and the Egyptians and. Um, you know, Babylonians and everything. I think that would be really fun, too, because there's lots of good figures out there for those, too. Oh, there's some so, great figures out there for them. And, of course, you know, you, you've got, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey. That's very heroic <laughs> style, you know, combat, and that, that would that would still work, you know, having warlords out there fighting entire units and stuff like that. So I, I think that would be interesting. Um, yeah. Huh. There's a lot of history. I mean, there's a lot of it we can cover. I mean, this system is, and that's the other thing, the similarity between DBA and it, it can cover a large, the system itself, the way it's built, can cover a large period of time. Right. And I think it, they just had their hardest hit, too. Their hardest, uh, you know, properly giving a feel of an ancient battle, you know, the, the more mass size Alexandrian slash, you know, Hannibal battles was going to be the hardest thing to do to take a what was originally designed as a dark age system and you know by all intents and purposes you know by the excitement level of people out there painting age of hannibal armies i would say they did well at it i would say that they you know after this it's it's just going to get easier probably um so yeah i think they've done a really good job of uh of making things a little different at each level at each book so to speak but uh but still doing a really good job of recreating the flavor of the period. No, I agree. And the battle boards, you know, are the big thing with each of those. So, I mean, because that helps build your flavor for the period on what some of the abilities are. Mm -hmm. so, and I think they're more on target with the Carthaginian, the Age of Hannibal books, uh, with the battle boards translating to the flavor, the historical flavor of the army than maybe some other ones. Um, I think that they really, they, they obviously spent their time on that one to get it right. Um, so what else? Anything else that you see as similarities, uh, differences kind of thing? Um, well, the may, I mean, the major differences, this one feels more like a large skirmish or the, uh, some people call it tactical skirmish mm -hmm. where it's just, a, you know, small units, which is, they're trying to address in the age of Hannibal with the new, um, what do they call it? The, uh, epic. Yeah. Epic scale. Epic scale where you can actually put together basically three armies and run them. Um, or Saga Epic, right? what they're calling it. Um, which, you know, that could address a lot of it uh, and give you the more big battlefield, same way that, you know, in DBA we had triple size. Right, yeah, uh, we did that a lot in our DBA tournaments. Oh, so. A lot of us there, there towards the end liked it better than the small battle. I think it was just because right. it was... We hadn't played it as much in some ways. Yeah. And so, i uh, clarify something because if they, people are wondering, uh, the reason we talk about DBA the way we do is there was a point in time within uh, HMGS Great Lakes that you'd go to our tournament and you'd have people playing DBA from the time we opened the doors till the time we closed the doors over three days. Right. And we had so many different styles of tournaments, too. We'd have your there'd always be usually Saturday night, the big the big open style tournament. You bring whatever army you want uh, and then we'd have themed ones. We'd have the big battle ones. We'd have uh, there was matched pairs where you could you'd bring two historically opposed armies and your opponent chooses, you know, which one they're going to use. Um, yeah, there was there, it, it, it was. And there was a lot of excitement, too, I think. I mean, that was just the thing is people would come and we'd, we'd be sharing, oh, hey, check out my new, you know, Khmer that I painted up. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of different tournaments going on. 
and it wasn't really getting old. I mean, until the very end. I mean, it was kind of a thing where we were all enjoying it. Um, do you think that maybe Saga could be the next DBA in our area? I think I think Saga could be, and I think at the convention level, they very well could be for tournament. Because uh, if the tournament is run right, and let's face it, you, uh, Jason, and I have talked about it before. You know, there's certain things they're going to have to do if in our book to run a good tournament, and um, like part of it is. If you're going to run one with scenarios, which is something Tomahawk seems to want you to do, well, your first round should all be the same scenario across all boards so that there's no arguing about, okay, this is why I lost or this is why somebody else won. Right. Uh, we're all playing on the same board, so it doesn't matter. Um, so, I mean, there's some of that that needs to be addressed. It's different than DBA in the way it was designed. Cause DBA was designed for tournament play. Right. Uh, Saga doesn't seem to have been built around that idea. It's more of a just, you know, person on person. But it's got the potential to be just as big. I just don't want to see us do the hit what we did with DBA, which was burn ourselves out on it. Right. Even though it took us 10 years. Yeah, well, at least 10 years. Um, so I think the, probably the, the, the biggest thing that I see as a little bit of a holdback on it being as widespread as the you know, from the minute the doors open to the minute the doors close, we have a saga tournament going on, is the length of the games as opposed, like a DBA game was 30 to 45 minutes. If you played an hour-long DBA game, you're playing against Eric. I mean, I just, I just, <laughs> <laughs> There are a couple other names we could put in there, but yeah, yes, I know what uh, you mean. Yes, uh, so in general, they were 30 to 45-minute games, whereas you have to at least double that for saga. I think that uh, I think we're probably looking at minimum hour and a half games. I would uh, say two hours, especially for our first couple. Mm-hmm. Two hour slots, yeah. Like first slot is 10 a.m. to noon or whatever, and then a little lunch break, and then two, yeah. So I agree that that the, the um, two hours is probably our best way to start with. I was looking at a tournament in New Zealand, uh, and I think they were going with an hour and a half now they may have played a lot more tournaments, whereas for most of us here in our group, I think just about everybody in our Saga, Ohio community that we have right here in Columbus and Dayton, I don't think any of us have played in a, a Saga tournament. You know, so our first tournaments will be the ones this fall. Uh, they had, didn't they have one down at uh, Daycon uh, two years ago? They may have, and I think I vaguely remember hearing about that, but we weren't, our group really wasn't into it as much. So I take that back. Maybe Andy has played in a tournament, um, you know, but uh, if I'm going to count Steven, even though he's in California now, maybe they've played in a tournament. But uh, yeah, most I would of say, us haven't. Yeah, most of us haven't. So I think that starting starting with a bigger block will be better. And the thing I talk about every time after we finish one of our Saga game days where I got in two games um, is, oh, my gosh, how zoned out am I going to be after my third game of Saga? Oh, that's I can very much see that happening uh, because you're there's so much. It, it's like playing some of the board games we play. It's a beer and pretzels game, which, let's face it, DBA was up to a point. You're thinking, but it's not like playing a game of chess. Mm-hmm. where you're trying to think you know, four or five turns ahead and what he can do and what you can do counter it now before it gets started. Whereas yeah. Saga is definitely that way, where you've got to be thinking ahead as, just as well as playing your army at the moment. And it just drains you. It's, you know, yeah, it uh, can, be, can be mentally exhausting. I, I would say that I agree with you. There are more moving parts to consider you know, with the two battle boards and everything than there were in DBA. You know, DBA there, I mean, I think it's a very similar number of troop types if you really think about it. Um, but the capabilities, as Jason was saying, multiplied by the, the battle boards, you know, there's just so much more to think about. That's why I'm really not in a hurry to start doing ruses because reading through those ruses, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's yet another thing I got to think about. <laughs> you know, what is he going to, what ruses could he possibly do with this army? And it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I agree. I think it's there's. It's a lot more mentally exhausting to play one game of Saga, you know, than it is, you know, 
it's maybe the equivalent of playing a, a three-round tournament of, of DBA, rather. <laughs> so. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, because it could be, a lot of this could get a lot easier as we play more and get more used to the system. Uh, there's some things I don't see changing. Part of it's the whole um, mental part of it, because you not only have to worry about your battle board, you got to worry about his battle board, mm-hmm. um, which is a major change. Uh, uh, you don't have, I mean, before, in, again, referencing DBA, all you had to worry about was how many pips he was going to roll for a turn. Right, uh, or, you know, what, what he was going to do you know, with those, figure, the troops he was holding back in reserve. But even then, he might not be able to do anything if he doesn't roll enough pips. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, there was, there, I mean, it was a great tactical, uh, you know, chess, uh, rock, scissors, paper kind of thing going on. And I mean, I would. I mean, we played that for more than more than a decade. I'm saying it was getting getting on close to two decades before we we finally burn out on it. Um, you know, and honestly, I mean, I know that on Sunday nights, you know, you and I we occasionally play. You know, especially when Verdalva is running it, we do some Hail Caesar. But I never really caught the ancient bug again until just you know relatively recently with Saga. You know that uh, I kind of. You know, and I said all along, I'm not done with Ancients. I'm just not enthused about it for the time. But now I would say that uh, definitely uh, Saga has brought us back into the into the fold. Well, I think we just need to find the right rule set, which is, I think, something all of us have been searching for. I mean, mm-hmm. DBA had a great I mean, let's face it, Wargame-wise, it had probably one of the longest runs of rule sets I've ever seen. Right. Um, yeah, but it's, um, you know, we're trying, I mean, we've all been looking for something to replace it. Those of us who love ancients, like, you know, I do. I mean, I love all, about all periods, but ancients were always my favorite. And just nothing has come up that's had the same easy ability to learn, to teach, and play. Saga, well, I love it, and it's a lot of fun, is a very difficult game to teach. To a degree, I think you, I think you can teach the basics relatively, relatively in a relatively straightforward fashion, but the interplays of the boards, you know, I agree is is going to be, it's going to take a few steps to master, I think, um, or a lot of thought. That person is going to have to go home, you know, study his Viking board or whatever the board he's going to play, and really, really think about it and think about maybe look at some of the other boards and and figure it out but you're right i think that that but I, I think it is possible to sit somebody down and for them to play it and not feel like well it's going to take five or six more games for even know what i'm doing i think that they'll know what they're doing at the end of the game they just won't have they'll, they just know they'll also know they haven't really tapped the potential of all the different possibilities out there yet most war games are that way um and i've already noticed um teaching-wise that, you know, we do the same thing now we do with DBA is that if we're teaching somebody, uh, we're basically showing them how to beat us. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, there, the other thing is we didn't have to do it as much in DBA um, is we're also giving them probably more beginner-friendly armies. I think a Vikings is a perfect beginner-friendly army. I wouldn't say, here, now go play the Saracens, you know, which is going to be hard to play. You know, or the Iberians, or something like that, um, and maybe even set the matchups. Like I, I think a, a Viking on Viking is a great beginner army, where you sit down with somebody, you teach them the game, and then they see how you're using their same battle board, and they're like, oh, that's what that's good for. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around and do that against you next turn. I think that's one of the reasons in front of the saga books. One of the things they show in all of them. Um, I don't know what it's. I mean, right in the beginning, it shows you which armies are hard to play and which ones are not hard to play. Right. Um, yeah, it's true. It does do that in the battle in the books. Uh, I so. see. It's uh, what was right above the dice faces on in the book of Hannibal. Uh, mm-hmm. They got the armies rated one through three stars, and uh, as to difficulty of play. So I mean, that's you know another nice thing that Saga's done is you know they know that some armies are going to be harder to play, and they let you know which ones they are. Um, and doing so means a beginner can pick up an easier army. So since I mean, you're looking at it, where are your uh, Italian Greeks and your Carthaginians the, at? The Carthos are Carthaginians are 
uh, two star. The uh, Greeks are a basic one star, like the Romans. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, the Iberians are three star. Mm -hmm. uh, the Gauls and the Numidians are both two star. I would agree with the Numidians definitely from what I've heard about them. The Gauls to me seem like a roll forward and smack the snot out of your opponent type of army. But, you know, maybe there's a lot involved in getting to that point of being able to smack, smack snot. So. Well, the Greek and actually when you get down to that time period, the Greeks and the Romans were your big roll, other than the Gauls were the big roll forward. And, you know, let's mm -hmm. get into smashing mode as quick as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to having some uh, Hannibal armies out there. I I uh, I have I bought that Roman uh, gripping beast four point Roman box, but I haven't even opened it up to look at the figures. I mean, I I just uh, I'm like, nope, nope, gonna take this one step at a time. I'm gonna finish <laughs> these these Carolingians first because when I bought it, I hadn't even started painting the Carolingians, and so uh, we shall see. Hopefully well, nothing detours me in between now and then. And I go, ooh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Something we all do. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If, if, I, uh, if I'm sitting in a store somewhere and I see a starter Iberian box, that might be the ooh, shiny that uh, takes me away from my Romans that I love so much. Just because I think they sound like one of the most tactically interesting to play of all the Age of Hannibal armies. I think so, too. What in it's one of the reasons I picked the Carthaginians as my first one, it's just because I know that from other games, not just DBA, but other games, that Carthaginians are like a switch play. You know, you can switch up your army by the composition fairly easily, and uh, you can have fun with you know almost every type of unit you can think of with the Carthaginian army. Right, I would agree. They are definitely a Swiss Army knife type. Uh, type force where they can they can bring a lot to different lot to bear although i don't imagine there's many carthaginian players who don't take at least one elephant i mean it's almost like you should be you know banned from the carthaginian uh club if you don't at least bring one elephant to the battlefield <laughs> yeah see that's uh well i'm a little strange i went because even in dv i never feel an elephant or a lot of times oh really it's according to, yeah it's according to who the opponent was hmm. um and i only bought a elephant for this Carthaginian army because uh, I already had it. <laughs> well, and also, how can you not? I mean, it's just, you know, it's just such a, a cool-looking figure to plop down the table. Even if you don't use it, it's, it's, it's cool, though. They sound tough to me. I mean, yes, I agree that any troop type in this game can be beat by the right combination, but they sound pretty nasty with all the resilience, too, and we were talking about blood price beforehand, you know, being able to slough off your casualties onto somebody else. It's mm -hmm. uh, some definite, uh, definite... They're going to be tough, and it'll be fun to, you know, I'll play with the elephant a few times and see how I like it. It's, uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, it's one of the armies that I like that for. You know, I may change them out for some mercenary cavalry. Yeah, you know, it, Is your elephant hmm. painted up then? Oh, yeah. All right, it's, cool. I like it. You know, I like elephants. I don't like... I will say I don't think it's my best paint job on the elephant itself, but I went with some stuff I read, and I'm not sure well, if it's going to look as good as it should. I'll tell you what, I think elephants are one of those things that just the figure being on the table is is dramatic effect, so it's going to look good no matter what. It's kind of like well, a, a, an army of hoplite Greeks with all their different shields. It doesn't matter how good of or bad of a job you did on them, it still looks amazing with them all there. Well, I'm just saying that because I've read an article that's... That, um, brought out the idea that the North African elephants may have been darker in coloration than uh, Southern African elephants. And I painted it up darker, and I really am not sure I like it at this point. Yeah, it's, you uh, could always go back and throw a little dry brush on it if you decide afterwards you don't like it. I know. Much. It's just, you know me, once the figure's done, I usually like just leave me alone yeah i i don't like to go back and repaint things either that's for sure enough trouble doing it the first time it's bad enough i got one figure one of my vikings um the shield popped off about a year ago <laughs> i have not repaired i have not repaired it yet i tried to repair it i did a horrible job on it i'm like oh that's not good enough for the tabletop set it aside and it has not been touched that's how much i'm you know like that i just you know i'd rather you know, fire and forget. I, you've been put in the field, you know. 
go and you know, go forth and, and and slay others. You know, and don't come back to me and ask for any repairs. Uh, well, you heard about Jason's army, didn't you? Did his you Romans? The whole thing flipped, or what no? He it? he moved, and he let the movers move it, and they dropped it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so I ended how, up re- how, how bad? How bad? I had to put back together probably about thirty figures in some way. Oh my gosh! That's like most of the army. Yeah, I mean, we found out the cavalry was two piece at the waist. Oh, that's which, interesting. Yeah, which I, you know, I don't know what I'd have to look around and find out which manufacturer they are. But it's that's strange for most mounted, but I mean the because uh, the bottom stayed on the horses and looks like they were molded there. So, hmm. but the upper halves of the cavalrymen were, uh, and over half of them busted at the waist. So yeah, that then would you seem to me that they were there was definitely gluing going on there to put them together. Oh, wow! Is it so? Is it is it uh, is it ready? Is it ready to take the field? Has it been repaired or is it still still in the shop? It's done. It's done. I gave it back to him. I told him there's some because he was talking about starting to paint. I think that's with his new job. That's kind of out the window. That he should touch up some spots. Um, and I left him for him to do because he said he was going to start painting. And t- let's face it, easy way to start figuring out what you're doing is, you know, having to do some little touch-up. Right. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I may end up having that army back on my table here at some point to do it myself if he doesn't get to it. Yeah, but, yeah. But he I'm had, cert- Go ahead. I was just going to say, he hasn't been talking about getting any new armies here lately. I think part of that's because of his work, uh, which kind of surprised me because at first he was really help on getting at least one more army well hopefully they uh hopefully the the next gen uh gets their enthusiasm back their mojo back they're all they all said they're coming they all said they're going to be there on the 18th so i'm looking forward to it yeah i i told myself that two weeks before the the uh that to send an email or send a text to them and remind them because um you know 20 somethings they you know they they have other priorities in life besides you know, wargaming like us, where that's our that's our chief <laughs> joy outlet. You know, that and craft uh, beer. So. The, uh, yeah, the well for Thompson Daniel, the big thing is that they, I mean, they should be able to get the day off because we start early and they have both been getting off, haven't been getting off work until two. Oh, so they that's why they're always you know late getting there, not not always late, but why they're always like just getting up or whatever because they work late and everything so but uh, it's uh you know they like it they enjoy it it's uh i think my uh, brother-in-law gets a little disgusted sometimes we'll sit down at a family gathering that's all thomas daniel jason and i do is talk about war gaming <laughs> or gaming in general he's uh, got nothing good. to add <laughs> Well, I just think it's great that uh, that Jason and his cousins are playing, and you're playing with with, with you know games with them and everything, because you know so many times you know families kind of go their own route, and the only time they see each other is at Christmas and other holidays like that. So I think it's awesome, and I, I always like watching them play because you would think, as much as they've gamed together, that given a chance they're going to game, they're going to go against somebody else. They they just love going against each other. They just love beating each other in games. Yeah, it's oh. so fun to watch the, well, the competitiveness the, between them. Well, part of that's the family. I mean, it's um, the whole Stelzer side of the family, at least, is hyper, not hyper, uber competitive. Uh, we hate to lose. Uh, I've had to learn how to tolerate it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> over the years. How to, how to tone down that uh, that disappointment when uh, when things don't work out as he, as he planned. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that being in there. I remember Jason playing DBA as a young kid, you know, and us, you know, cheering him on. Yeah, so it was it was fun to to see him develop from. What did he first start gaming with when he was nine or ten or something like nine. that? Nine. I think first yeah. time I took him to uh, historic or no Cold Wars, and he actually went with me and played was when he was nine years old. Yeah, and how old is he now? He'll be thirty. He'll be yeah, thirty this November. So okay, so I was right when I said twenty something. He's turning thirty. Wow. So, so here we go. We we've been gaming with him for twenty one years now, pretty much. So 
That's what yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, which, by the way, that's, uh, I don't know if uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, so for anybody listening that's in the Ohio area, uh, April 18th is our, our return to Saga, Ohio game days. We will be at the uh, Dragons Guild Hall in Beaver Creek, Ohio, which is a Dayton suburb. And we'll be starting at noon because that's when the store opens. And probably, hopefully, getting in a couple rounds of Saga games. So if anybody wants to show up, feel free. Uh, they do. The store does require masks, so uh, you know, make sure you, you bring a mask along. And um, so we're really looking forward to it. I know I'm looking forward. Are you looking forward to it, Mike? Oh, definitely. I'm really ready to get back to the tabletop. Yeah, me too. Me too. I guess between me, you, Keith, and uh, Mr. Wallace, we've got. Uh, we're actually good as of the weekend before. We'll have had our second vaccination and our two weeks after that. So we could potentially even be starting the week before to do table, you know, face-to-face miniature gaming. Well, it's, uh, I'm ready. And uh, I have gotten a lot of painting done over this period, but not being able to put the new figures on the tabletop has been bug- bugging me. So. Yeah. So actually, that's something I usually ask all my guests. So we'll close out with that question. So... Are there any armies, uh, we're talking Saga here, of course, because uh, we've gotten off task enough as it was, uh, <laughs> any Saga armies that you're eyeballing that you don't have the figures yet that would be like your next purchase? Yeah, the Normans. The Normans? All right. Yeah, that's that's a good army. I've gotten beaten by them often enough. I'd like to own one. Yeah, there. <laughs> There's a couple people playing them out there. I know that uh, Adrian's um, brother is playing them, and I know that uh, a couple other people have the Norman armies out there. So, yeah, that, that'd be good. Yeah, I find myself getting more excited about, you know, the other two books, or Age of Invasions, you know, uh, than I am about the Age of Hannibal, although I own the army there. I own the the, the, unbo- the unpainted lead. Um, I'm, you know, I, there's a lot of armies out there I'd like to... I'd like to play too. So I, I just think that I need to do another, another age of crusades faction, you know, maybe one of the the Christian factions since I got my Muslim faction. So I don't know. We'll see. You know, I've also been tempted. One thing that's been tempting me too is uh, the Mongols. I think it would be fun to play them. I think you would lose three quarters of your games, but it would be fun to play them. Oh, I've been looking at those for the uh, age of crusades because they aren't the Normans. Are they in the Age of Crusades? Are they in the... No, no, they're they're in they're in Vikings. The Normans. Are yeah, in they're Vikings. in the Viking book. But yeah, for the Age of Crusades, the only army I looked at that I really thought would be worth my time to buy and paint up would be the Mongols. Really? Okay. So what I'm looking for, and if anybody has that uh, out there, any of the listeners have it, I want to see a game report, almost a step by step, of how the heck you successfully use composite bows, because Every single time somebody's used composite bows against them, they have not been that effective. Um, and so I'm really curious to see. I would love to see somebody, you know, play, see how they play the composite bows and their opponents sit there and say, well, that sucks. That's, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, hey, then, but we both have one of the, uh, we both have our eyes on the same army. So who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe one of these days we'll both be playing, painting Mongols up. Could be. Could be. It'd be a fun army. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you very much for uh, on short notice filling in and uh, doing this uh, doing this podcast with me. I uh, hope you had a good time. Like I said before, thanks for inviting me. It's been fun. And let's face it, all we were doing is doing the same thing we always do, and that is BSing back and forth. Yep, BSing <laughs> about gaming. Just just specific this one. All right. Well, hey, if I don't see you in in person on the 11th, if we don't actually get together the week before, I will definitely see you on the 18th. Okay. Bye, Mike. Bye. bye.